Hey everybody, uh, welcome in. It's Thursday night. If you're watching this live on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, Sports Plus Live. I'm Corey Miller here with Five Hundred Side Sports Director Frank Musmano. Or if you're listening to this on the Sports Plus podcast sometime in the week, uh, the Cardinals are playing as we speak here Thursday night, and it has not been pretty overall so far lately, Frank. But they are still in the hunt. The pitching is really is what kept them in it, but it's starting to take on water. Dakota Hudson left the game we were watching tonight against Pittsburgh with a, a uh, shoulder or a, a elbow injury, which you don't ever want to hear that. This pitching is just barely keeping it together while the offense struggles to find anything to do. You know, Mike Schilt is a Norman Vincent Peale, Tony Robbins, power of positive thinking guy, Corey. But I got to believe tonight when he goes to bed and he looks in the mirror, he's going to say, hey, God, can you help us out here? I mean, can you end the string of bad luck here? I mean, Dakota Hudson has had five outings in a row of three runs or less. He's turned the corner. He's gotten to the next stage of his career. Um, For him to go out, that's brutal. It really is. I mean, you had KK. You had Gant. I mean, you had Michaelis. You had Hicks. These are all really quality pitchers. And, oh, by the way, you had COVID, too. I mean, how much more can Mike Schilt take? You can't af- afford to lose a guy as, as good as Dakota Hudson. And boy, you're right. When you hear the word elbow, Corey, my dime store theory is this, is if you're a baseball pitcher and you're like 25 or 26 and you throw a baseball about 90 miles an hour and you've been doing that for like three or four years, eventually you're probably going to get it. And you're going to come back and you're going to be okay, but you're probably going to get Tommy John surgery and you're going to come back a year later. I hope that's not the case with Dakota, but look, look at the pitchers on the Cardinal roster and the, the amount of Tommy Johns we've seen. Seems to be the trend for them, for sure. In terms of this offense, is this kind of what they're stuck with now? I mean, what else can they even do to get a jolt here? Because for a little while, it looked like Brad Miller might, might give him a jolt for a week or two, and then every once in a while, Tyler O'Neill hit a home run, and Paul Goldschmidt overall has had a great year. But it doesn't really matter how great they pitch lately if the offense score, can't score a couple runs. And right now, they can't get even a couple hits in some games. You know, we should have known early on when they trotted out that lineup, and I believe it's the first time it's ever happened, that your outfielders were hitting 7, 8, and 9. Now, in Dexter Fowler's defense, he had a fine season before he got hurt. But let's face it, the overall production from Dexter, because of the injury, is not going to be great. I mean... The outfielders are supposed to be your thumpers. They're supposed to be Ronald Acuna Jr. and Mike Trout. And there's not a dynamic bat, I don't know if in the system right now, maybe Gorman down the road. So I'll tell you what, this week on the radio, I've been talking about potential free agent outfielders. George Springer is going to be 30 years old. He is 30 years old. He'd be fine. Uh, Brantley would be fine. I don't think Ozuna, I think they know too much about him. Personally, they're going to bring him back. But I think what's going to have to happen, Corey, is John Moselock can't have another offseason like he did last year where he says, well, we got to find out about our young outfielders. Well, we found out a little bit. Now you got to go the trade route. you got enough pitching where you can move a few arms for a dynamic bat because I don't think that bat is in the system. I tell you, it hurts every day logging into uh, social media, seeing home runs from Marcelo Zuna and about two each day from Luke Voigt. That does hurt quite a bit. Yeah, good point. Uh, let's talk about a bright spot, though, recently. Adam Wainwright at 39 years old. Without him, I don't know where they would be this year. They they might be out of the playoff p- 
picture totally because since they've come back from COVID, he's been incredible and he's really been good all year. And every time they need him, he's that stopper to go out and say, okay, I got this. I'm going to throw as many innings as my arm will possibly allow me. And I'll hold the other team to two runs. So if we can just scratch across anything, we'll be all right. I, we know not to doubt Adam Wainwright, but come on, it's getting kind of crazy at this point that he's still this good. Yeah, it, it really is amazing. I, I like the fact, too, that you look at that radar gun and he'll throw that 80-mile-an-hour curveball and then he'll get it up to 91, and then he'll go under 80, then he'll go up to 92. He is the ultimate pitch maker, and, you know, they have to bring him back. You know, the one thing I was thinking about today is I feel badly for, like, the young pitchers that the Cardinals have this rule that if you're not a starting pitcher, well, you're not in the dugout. And they're really being deprived of a year of education of constantly being around Adam Wainwright because if Wainwright is not pitching... He goes to the ballpark, he gets his workout in, and then he goes home. I would have liked to seen him, you know, in the dugout last night and working with a talented pitcher like Johan Oviedo and, you know, really having this kid go to the next level. I think that's one of the, the terrible things about COVID-19 is that these guys are not getting the tutelage from these great veterans like Adam Wainwright. That's a good point. I don't know if a lot of people think about that, but that is a big part of it, especially with the Cardinals. We know how their pitchers like to pass down knowledge uh, over the last 20 years or so, and even before that. That is definitely a big part of being on the roster. Uh, let's talk about, even though things haven't been great, and they're currently not great because the Cardinals are losing to the Pittsburgh Pirates, who they have to beat, uh, the rest of the schedule is supposed to be easy. The Cardinals are not definitely not out of the picture. They still have a very high percentage chance if you look at any kind of statistics on baseball reference or fan graphs to make the postseason. Uh, I, I mean, I think they're going to get it done because eventually they're going to have to look in the mirror, okay, we'll do what we have to do. Let's just weasel our way in there somehow. Uh, it doesn't look good now, but they've still got a pretty good shot. Yeah, uh, if you look at the remainder of their schedule, uh, they had the easiest schedule in Major League Baseball in terms of winning percentage of the opposition. I mean, when you have the 14 and 34 Pirates and you have the Royals and you have the Tigers, that's pretty good. You're still going to have to deal with the Brewers at the end of the season, too. But, I mean, we thought, like, tonight was going to be, you know, a, a day at the park or a, a bye game, you know, where you just beat the Pirates. But you're, you're down and there's really no hope. I mean, you just had a, a five-game series against the Brewers where you scored 11 runs. And they're slugging percentage with runners in scoring position is not just a off year. This is going to be their worst slugging percentage year with runners in scoring position since 1992. I mean, this is historically bad. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the playoffs real quick, though, because they're saving grace is that eight teams are going to get in the playoffs in the National League. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you're at. You could get one of those last spots. We've seen, if, even if you're under 500, you could get one of those last spots. But the latest talk is that that might extend if apparently the commissioner and I guess probably the owners have their way, could extend, be one of the changes this year that continues. And when I heard that, oh, it really just made me sick to my stomach. Because, yeah, it's exciting in October, but then why am I watching the regular season? Because it's going to totally cheapen the regular season. 
And I know it's good for money and probably good for business, but I really don't want this extended postseason to stick around longer than this year. Yeah, let's face it. I think the biggest beef that many sports fans have with the National Hockey League is that everybody gets in. I mean, Vianney High School made the NHL playoffs one year, if I'm not mistaken. So everybody gets in. So now <laughs> what is baseball doing? They're trying to be more like the NHL. And you're right. It's about money. I mean, in this COVID-19 crazy season, I think they're still going to make a billion dollars in the postseason. And that extra layer of playoffs is going to help. And you know what else, Corey? This is what I think is really going to be fascinating, is that baseball is proving that even in this shortened season, if they have the postseason, they can make still gobs of money. So I wonder if in the next round of negotiations, the owners are basically saying, you know what? If you, don't, if you guys don't like this deal, that's fine. We'll just hold out a little bit. We don't care if we miss 60 or 70 games. We proved in the COVID-19 season we can make a lot of money just by playing 60 games. I wonder if it's going to play a role in these upcoming negotiations because, believe me, most people think after next season, baseball is going to shut down. There's, it's going to be a really nasty negotiation. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it plays a role because it could be the owner's way of saying, well, we there's so many spots now we don't have to go out and pay these guys the money they may have won or maybe even deserve when you look at how the how the uh, total pot breaks down because there's so many spots left and the players aren't going to like that because they want to get paid more so i think it's definitely going to be a point of contention there's going to be a lot of points of contention uh when the owners and players have to sit down again <laughs> and look at this year did no favors to them. Uh, let's move on a little bit the hottest topic in st louis High school sports, uh, if you go a couple counties over, you can watch some football tomorrow night. But if you go in St. Louis County and St. Louis City, you can't. And that's pretty much the only topic of conversation in St. Louis at this point. You had a commentary on this the other night. It's, it just stinks all the way around. And we've, we don't know. You've said this. Nobody knows all the answers. Nobody knows exactly what's right. But you look around at some places doing some things and some places doing other things. And it just hurts for the kids, and the whole situation is just a mess. Yeah, it, it's crazy. You're, you're at Pattonville High School, can't play football. Six miles away at St. Charles, you can. You're at Fox High School, you can play football. Five miles away at Oakville, you can't play football. So, and, and the protests are crazy. I, I saw a pretty wild one, or, I mean, not a wild one, but a pretty big one outside of the neighborhood of Sam Page on Sunday. There were quite a few in Clayton, and I've been talking to Darren Sunkett, there's going to be 100 schools represented in Chicago and in Springfield uh, on Saturday. It's, it, it seems like the St. Louis area and the state of Illinois are, you know, some of the few states that are not playing. And, you know, look, the East St. Louis kids, the quarterback, the two wide receivers, they're all going big time. They don't need to have a season. But I also hear from a lot of families where you know, their son needed fresh game tape. And if, you know, a school in Iowa can look at the kid from Iowa instead of the kid from St. Louis, well, I guess the kid with the fresh tape's gonna get the scholarship. So it's a tough one. And I'd look, believe me, I take it really seriously. I've said this a thousand times. I haven't been able to hug my 93-year-old mom in six months. You know, we put the mask on, social distancing, avoid big crowds. But I think if we take care, you know, of the people with pre-existing health conditions and we are responsible, you know, we can probably get this thing done. I don't know if we're going to get the chance, though. 
you're plugged into some of these coaches. Uh, are they thinking about, well, we saw with Incarnate Word softball across county lines to play in St. Charles so they could play a game. Football-wise, are you thinking that's going to happen with anybody? And what do you think could be the repercussions if it does happen? Well, it's interesting you mentioned that word repercussions. Is one athletic director at a prominent school texted me this morning, and he said they fear the repercussions. But, you know, the repercussions are really not for Misha. And I talked with Dan Rolfus, the athletic director and state championship winning coach at Incarnate this morning, and he said that, you know, on their board, they have a couple of lawyers, and they looked at this thing real closely, and they don't think they could face any legal recourse, you know, by uh, playing those games in St. Charles. In fact, Dan, who's the athletic director, scheduled a bunch more games for softball and volleyball for Incarnate Word, and they're going to go ahead and do this thing. So it, it, it'll really be fascinating, you know, down the road, because if Incarnate's doing it, well, then I think that Maybe St. Joseph's Academy will do it, or maybe CBC will do it. I think, you know, this opens up Pandora's box if one school is saying, hey, we're going to go to St. Charles and play. It is a mess and definitely only looks to get messier. Let's move on a little bit. We've talked about this. It seems like we've talked about this all the time in the last few years, but you can't turn on a TV and watch pretty much any sport right now without some kind of St. Louis kid showing up big, not necessarily for our local teams, but on the big stage, there's St. Louis kids everywhere. Uh, if It doesn't matter uh, in the NHL with the two uh, conference finals, a St. Louisan was guaranteed to win the Stanley Cup. Now it's down to Pat Maroon, Ben Bishop, and Scott Mayfield with the Islanders. Well, uh, for the second year in a row, you got Jason Tatum right now putting on a show, which he has been doing every night. He's kind of the talk of the playoffs. Frank, this is a crazy time for St. Louis kids showing up big. Yeah, it seems like uh, like every night on our 10 o'clock sportscast, I'm using the word Chaminade, <laughs> whether it's Paul Stasny or <laughs> Jason Tatum. It's, it's crazy. And then you go also tonight, WNBA playoffs, Nafisa Collier, she's one of the 10 best players in the world right now. She's averaging 16, shooting 50 from the field, 40 from three and 82 from the line. So she's sensational. Yeah, it is definitely a good time to be a, a St. Louisan in professional athletics. There's no doubt about it. I'd love to see Tatum get there because I was talking to Earl Austin Jr. today about this, is to find a St. Louisan who's played a starring role in the NBA Finals, you really have to go back to JoJo White because Patrick McCaw, he won a championship, or actually he's won a couple, but he's been kind of a role player. It was at the end of David Lee's career. Robin Jones was a bit player in Portland. I mean... This would be really historical if uh, Jason Tatum were to lead the Celtics to the finals. Tatum could be in the finals. Luke Voigt could be an MVP in the American League. You've been here for a while. Is this kind of the, I don't know, it seems crazy to me, but is this like the most, uh, I don't even know how to put it, the most St. Louis stars kind of in, in the four professional sports that you've seen? Oh, without question. I mean, Corey, like for the first 25 years, I don't know if I ever had a St. Louis kid in my NBA highlights, ever. Um, we've never had the best pitcher of his generation in Max Scherzer till now. And, you know, Pat Maroon could go back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. Nafisa Collier is going to be, you know, one of the three best players probably in, in the WNBA, and Jason Tatum is probably going to, you know, be with Giannis uh, in a very short group of top three or four, you know, two or three years from now. 
Last thing on uh, this live or this episode, if you're watching or listening to this on the podcast, we'll talk about the list real quick this week, our countdown this week. Uh, pretty cool when you kind of take the whole body of work. It's biggest sports events, biggest and best sports events in St. Louis history. And just looking down it, we should be pretty proud of ourselves. Uh, we put on a lot of big stuff, and it's always had a lot of excitement. Uh, I didn't even, gosh, when the uh, Corey, uh, the uh, Zab Judah and the Corey Spinks fight was on our list, I think I was maybe 10. I didn't realize how big that was until you were talking to me about it. I'm like, oh, my God, that's just another thing. Yeah, who, who could ever forget you know, Corey walking in the ring with Nelly. That was just so crazy. It was just so wild. It's, the bottom line is we just do big events. I mean, really good big events. We won't give away the final two. But, man, if there, you know, the, today was the final four. The 2005 final four, Frank Viverito said economic impact, $75 million. Um, I just know, I know all these restaurateurs in downtown St. Louis, including my family, and they say, without a doubt, it blew away any World Series we ever had in terms of economic impact. It was a basketball village. It was like downtown was, was just a happening place where, you know, like in other cities where people just walk around. That's what it was like in St. Louis in 2005. Well, I mean, and even recently, the All-Star Game uh, was a big hit here this previously this year in St. Louis for sure. Uh, and I will be had the MLB All-Star Game in 2009. Big events, people show up. I mean, people like to give St. Louis a lot of crap a lot of the time for a lot of different things, and it's warranted a lot of the time. But when we're on a big stage, we put on our, our Sunday best and make it happen. I'm sad we don't get to host uh, the Champions Tour this year like we were supposed to. Yeah, we'll get that again next year and for the next three years. They signed up for another year. And then, you know, how about speaking of fans and, and passion, what happened yesterday in the soccer world, 50,000 deposits yeah. for seats. I mean, the, it shatters the MLS <laughs> record. They only see 22,000, and, and they just sold 50,000 in a 24-hour time period. Nuts. Looking forward to 2023 for that for sure. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. If you're watching live or listening on the podcast, that's our episode for this week. Uh, make sure you tune in next week where we'll have just about a week left at Cardinals baseball and we'll have some Mizzou football coming around the corner. The Tigers are going to have it rough, uh, but it's football, so I'm not going to complain too much. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.